Thank you very much. And thank you very much to the worship band leading us. That's great. It's great to be together, isn't it, after all that time in COVID. And it's great to be in person. If you're still online, great to see you too. Um, I'm going to be reading from Psalm 45 in a moment. And my subject is going to be Jesus full of joy. Before I read the psalm, as you can see, I wear glasses. And I've had my eyesight tested many times in my life. And previously, when I've been to the optician, certainly years ago, they used to put this metal system, metal glasses on you, and then they used to hear the tray of lenses that they would put in one at a time and until you could see as clearly as possible using them. Well, the reason I'm saying that is because I want to look at this text that I'm going to be reading through the lens of the New Testament, the lens of Christ. I'm only going to read the first nine verses. It's, uh, it's a wedding song. And the bridegroom originally was possibly King Solomon. <clears throat> and the bride is a beautiful princess. Sounds a bit like a fairy tale wedding. But I want to look at the king who is anointed with the oil of joy above his companions. So let's have a look at the text. Psalm 45. I'm going to be reading from verse 1 to verse 9. My heart is stirred by a noble theme as I recite my verses for the king. My tongue is the pen of a skillful writer. You are the most excellent of men, and your lips have been anointed with grace since God has blessed you forever. Gird your sword on your side, you mighty one. Clothe yourself with splendor and majesty. In your majesty, ride forth victoriously in the cause of truth, humility, and justice. Let your right hand achieve awesome deeds. Let your sharp arrows pierce the hearts of the king's enemies. Let the nations fall beneath your feet. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. All your robes are fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. From palaces adorned with ivory, the music of the strings makes you glad. Daughters of kings are among your honored women. At your right hand is the royal bride in gold of Ophir. Now the writer to the Hebrews quotes this from this psalm when referring to Jesus in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9 where he says this, You, Jesus, have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Now, I don't know about you, but I've seen during my lifetime many depictions of Jesus in paintings, illustrations, films, movies, that kind of thing. And most of the time when I've seen him portrayed, I've seen him portrayed as rather kind of solemn, sad-looking character, or someone who is gaze, uh, dreamily gazing into space, into some distance, and not as someone who's anointed with the oil of joy. You might say to me, well, doesn't the Bible say that Christ was a man of sorrows and one acquainted with grief? Yes, that's true. The thing is this, they're both true. They are both true. And we do see Jesus at times being sad. We see it, for example, at the death of Lazarus as Jesus weeps outside Lazarus's tomb. We see it with the widow whose son 
is being dead son is being carried out of the town and Jesus raises him to life. We see it as Jesus was grieved at people's hardness of heart. And we see it classically, of course, in the Garden of Gethsemane. But Jesus was also someone who delighted to do the Father's will. I delight to do your will, oh my God, your law is within my heart. Now, if you delight to do something, then I would suggest that an inner energy comes, a lightness of being, a sense of purpose, an inner wellspring of joy. And we've got various grandchildren uh, of first school age, and uh, one of the things that we do in the summer is we fill up a paddling pool and put it in the garden. And the children delight to play in that pool. And they're certainly not miserable about it. Or maybe if you go to the park and you see a, a parent delighting to play with their child, they don't tend to have a miserable look on their face, do they? They're not doing it in a sad manner. Or perhaps for you, you delight to cook or do a barbecue. You delight to serve people in that way. You go into the kitchen, it's therapeutic for you. You get all the ingredients together. Maybe you have some music on and you enjoy that. And you enjoy that and you delight to serve people with a meal that you've prepared. Or perhaps, like me, you delight to lie by the pool whenever you, if you get the chance with a good book. And you, you know, if it gets too hot, you dip your feet in the pool or you just slide in there and have the book on the side. And you delight to do that. Or maybe you delight to plan a surprise party for someone. You know, you get the invitations together, you don't tell them, you secretly give to your friends and you get everything ready until that day comes and you delight to do that. Or perhaps you delight to go for a walk in the countryside. You know, you love the outdoors, perhaps you've got a dog, you take your dog with you and you walk out and you delight to enjoy the open environment. Or maybe you delight to go fishing. Fishing is the most popular sport in Britain, apparently. And you delight, you get your tackle, you make sure you've got the right hooks, you've got your bait, and you get everything ready, your stool to sit on, and all that kind of thing. And you enjoy that, you delight to do it. Or perhaps you, play, you, you do judo, or you play football, and you, you get your kit together, and you look forward to that occasion, and you're going to grapple with your opponent if you're doing judo or playing football, whatever it is, you delight to do something. Or maybe you play a musical instrument as we had some of our talented musicians up this morning. You delight to play a musical instrument. It gives you a sense of energy. You delight to do it. Or maybe, this happened last week, you served teas and coffees at the hatch over there. And last week when we, served, when we were served coffee and tea over at the hatch, I noticed the people that they delighted to do it. They had a smile on their face, they're very welcoming. And this morning when I came here for the 9.30 meeting, I was watching people welcoming people into the building. And I stayed in the foyer for a few minutes just to observe what was going on. And I saw there was a sense of delight in those people who were welcoming them. If you delight to do something, you don't do it reluctantly or sadly, but with a spring in your step. So we see that Jesus was someone who delighted to do the will of the Father. And Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy above his companions, a greater joy than they had. Now, does this mean that Jesus never got tired? No. We see him in Samaria by the well, and it's a hot day, and he sits down, he's tired, he's thirsty. Did it mean that he didn't have times and moments of sadness? Clearly not, as I said earlier. The same is true for you and me. But should we expect to experience the joy of the Lord? That delight 
in the relationship we have with God? Of course. Jesus, in fact, prayed this as he speaks to the Father. John 17, verse 13, where he says, But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy in, fulfilled in themselves. So it's quite clear that Jesus wants to experience his joy. Now let's look at this psalm in verse 2, because there's a build-up here, I think. In the psalm, in verse 2, we read of a king whose lips have been anointed with grace. We know that Jesus was full of grace and truth, full of God's rich mercy, of God's abundant, unearned goodness and blessing. In verse 4, we read of a king who is to ride out victoriously in the cause of truth, humility, and justice. And we know that Jesus embodies all those qualities. He rides humbly into Jerusalem on a donkey. He stoops down as a servant to wash his disciples' feet. He is the truth. And he fights for justice for the oppressed and the marginalized, the blind, the lame, the lepers, the excluded. He fights for justice for them. And he pulls down the arrogance of the self-righteous. He exposes the lies of the devil because he's the truth. Verse 4, we read of a king whose right hand is to achieve awesome deeds. The Apostle John tells us at the end of his gospel that if all the things that Jesus said were to be written down, then all the books in the world would not be able to contain them. His awesome deeds are still going on today. King's Church High Wycombe is part of the awesome deeds of the Lord. If you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're part of the awesome deeds of the Lord which are continuing today. Verse 5, we read of a king whose sharp arrows are to pierce the hearts of the king's enemies. I love that about Jesus. <laughs> sharp arrows pierce the hearts of the king's enemies. And the apostle Paul tells us in the book of Colossians of Christ, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. In verse 5, we read of a king before whose feet the nations will fall. Of Christ, the apostle John writes in the book of Revelation, from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And we look forward to that day when Jesus rules the nations and we can actually see it. Look at the shambolic nature of what's going on in the nations today and needs a, a Jesus to come and rule the nations Verse 7 tells us the king is someone who loves righteousness and hates wickedness. And Jesus loved it when people trusted him. Jesus loves it when you trust him. Jesus loves it when you put your faith in him, despite sometimes the difficulties that there are in life. The senior tax collector who went up the tree, Jesus delighted to come for him to come down. Come down, I'm coming to your house today. Jesus loved it when the Roman centurion said to Jesus, sent messengers to Jesus, said, you don't even need to come to my house. I'm a man of authority and I recognize your authority. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. Jesus said, I haven't seen faith like that in the whole of Israel. Jesus was delighted by that. He loves righteousness and he hates wickedness. We see it when he enters the temple and the people are buying and selling in the temple. And Jesus, my house shall be called a house of prayer and you've turned it into a den of thieves. And he overturns the tables. He hates wickedness but loves righteousness. 
He hated the hypocrisy of the religious establishment of the day. And verse 7, and this king, Jesus, is anointed with joy. He's anointed with joy. Now, when we read in the Old Testament about the high priest, the high priest was given a special anointing. And it was a special anointing oil. It was made up of cinnamon, cane, cassia, which is a sweet, fragrant oil, olive oil, and myrrh. Now, myrrh is an interesting substance. It's harvested by repeatedly wounding the trees to bleed the gum. We know who was given myrrh at his birth. And we read in Psalm 133 how the high priest Aaron was anointed for his role as high priest. Now, what it tells us in Psalm 133 is this, that the anointing oil was poured on his head. It wasn't a dribble. It wasn't a trickle. It was poured on his head, and it ran down over his face, and it ran down on his beard, and it ran down onto his clothes. Jesus is anointed with the oil of joy. It is not a trickle. It is not a sprinkle. It is not a dribble. He is anointed with the oil of joy. It's poured out upon him. He loves righteousness and hates wickedness. He's going to pierce the hearts of the king's enemies. He's going to triumph. And he's anointed with the oil of joy. So far from being some solemn, sad, miserable-looking character depicted in paintings, Jesus is anointed with the oil of joy above his companions. And more than that, Jesus wants to share that oil of joy with you and me. When does he want to do that? He wants to do it today. He wants to do it today. So what is joy then? Well, a dictionary definition tells us it's a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. A feeling of great pleasure and happiness. But as I was preparing for this, and I knew I was going to be speaking on this some time ago, and when I know what I'm going to be speaking on, particularly if it's a topic, I prick up my ears and I look for things and I'm aware I'm just trawling life for anything that I think will be helpful. Now, I think it was maybe a month ago, I was at a meeting in Birmingham for the Battelle Ministry. Now, the Battelle Ministry helps people recover from alcohol and drug addictions. And they were celebrating 25 years of the ministry, and I went to the meeting. And it was a great time, great time of worship, da-da-da. But my ears pricked up when someone said this. Joy is the delight on someone's face when they meet you. Joy is the delight on someone's face when they meet you. Now that, I have to say, got me thinking. Have you ever been to the airport in the arrivals area to meet someone? I have been many times. And you know what it's like? There's a barrier. Yeah, and you, if you've been there for some time, you maybe you're leaning on the barrier, and there's people all around you, and taxi drivers and all that kind of stuff, and you're looking... For the person you're going to meet, perhaps it's someone you love, a family member, a dear friend, but you're there to meet someone and you're just watching as they come through, the doors open and they're coming through and they're coming through until you see the person that you're there to meet. And there's a sense of delight and joy comes on your face and on theirs when they recognize you. And I've been there and I've seen people go around the barrier and run to meet the person and give them a big hug. Joy is the delight on someone's face when they meet you. 
I seem to remember that Jesus told a parable about someone who ran to greet someone. Help me out here. Ring any bells for you? What story was it again? Huh? At the back down a bit? That's right. It's the story of the prodigal son, isn't it? That story that Jesus told where the, this father had two sons and the younger son demanded his inheritance before the death of his father. He took his inheritance. He went off to a distant country. He blew it all a lot in riotous living. And then he decided he would even eat the pig's will. And he thought, well, I'm better off going home. So what I'll do is I'll, go, I'll come to my sons. I'll go home. I'll say to my father, I'm ever so sorry. I made a right hash of it. Just make me one of your slaves. And Jesus tells the problem. He says this. But while he, the son, was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Joy is the delight on someone's face when they meet you. What do you think is the Lord's expression on his face when he sees you? I'll tell you what it is. It's delight. That's what it is. Now he sees you as you are with all your history known to him, nothing hidden. He's the one who knitted you together in your mother's womb. All the days ordained for you were written in his book before one of them came to be. But if you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, he also sees you in Christ. As Richard pointed out earlier, made perfectly righteous because of the sacrifice of Jesus. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. I wonder, do you see yourself as putting delight on the Father's face? I think it would be helpful to spend a few minutes this week just reflecting on God's love for you and me as shown through Christ. Why? Because it affects how we see ourselves. And Richard virtually preached this earlier. It affects how we see ourselves, how we live. And that's what's going to help bring a sense of joy into our life. Do you want a sense of joy in your life? Then reflect on the love that God has for you. The love that God has for you that he shows as he sacrifices his beloved son and who sheds his precious blood on the cross. Reflect on that, and that will bring that sense of joy into your life, knowing that you are loved by God. Now, the opposite of delight is scorn. But Jesus was scorned so that delight was put on God's face when he sees you and me. The opposite of delight is rejection. You may have experienced rejection in your life, and it may have affected how you deeply see yourself. But Jesus was rejected so you and I can be accepted. So what I want to do this morning as well is I want to invite the Holy Spirit to come and refresh us. Does experiencing joy mean you'll never feel disappointment? No. Does it mean you'll never feel sadness? No. Does experiencing joy mean you will never feel despair? No. Does experiencing joy mean you will never feel depressed? No. When I was a boy, 
We used to go up into the, in the summertime, we used to go up into the hills and pick blueberries. And my mother used to make blueberry pancakes. So even if I have them today, it takes me back to those times. But as we walked at the bottom of the hill, there was a track at the bottom of a farm. And on this track, there was a spring of water, a small spring of water. And when we walked past, I would see that the water was crystal clear. And so what I would do as a boy is I would bend down and I would scoop up the water and I would drink it and be refreshed. But also as a kid, what I would do is I was very interested to see what would happen if I walked in the spring and stirred up the silt at the bottom or I'd put my hands in and I'd do that and it would get all cloudy, it would get all muddy and I wouldn't want to drink it. And so, but I noticed that as I observed the spring and I stood back and I watched for a few minutes, I saw that the spring began to slowly clear again and the water became crystal clear. Why? Why was that? Well, the reason is this, that the water was continually flowing. It didn't stop. It didn't stop. Sometimes you and I, our lives become a bit like that spring gets a bit cloudy, gets a bit muddy, the circumstances of life, the disappointments that there are, the sadnesses that we have to face, all those kind of, in other words, what I'm saying is life. Life can get like that sometimes. Life can seem to make the spring very muddy, very cloudy, very undrinkable. Where's the joy gone? But Jesus says, he's the fountain of living water. And if you know Jesus is Lord and Savior, then within you is the fountain of living water. Amen? Amen. The fountain of living water. And does that fountain ever run dry? Is there any shortage of of the living water that Jesus comes to bring? The answer, of course, is no. The fountain of living water is flowing. And so there are times when we go through life when it is difficult, when the water does seem to be muddy and undrinkable, but the Holy Spirit is still here. The power of the Spirit is still at work. The living water is still flowing. And Jesus has come. Jesus has a big smile on his face when he says, come. Come to me. Come and drink. For I am the fountain of living water. I am the fountain of life. I am anointed with the oil of joy. And I am so full of the oil of joy that I want to share it with you. I want to give it to you. Despite sometimes the circumstances of our life which make things cloudy and muddy, The Apostle Paul tells us in the book of Galatians that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. So should we as Christians expect to experience the joy of the Lord? Should you, should you expect to experience the joy of the Lord? The answer is yes, yes, yes. We need to be open to receiving from Jesus who delights to give the Holy Spirit when we ask. And we can grow in that fruit too. Perhaps you're going through a season in your life where you feel you could do with experiencing a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. You'd like that sense of joy to be more evident in your life. Well, we're going to give you an opportunity to come out to the front and be prayed for. There'll be people here who will lay hands on you if you're happy for that to happen, and they will pray for you to experience a refreshing of the Holy Spirit. We did this in the first meeting. There was an amazing response. Many, many people came out. And I'll tell you what, I was the first. 
And I'll tell you what, I'm going to do it again. Joanna. You see, I just want to do this because I, want, I need to be refreshed by the Holy Spirit. I need to experience the joy of the Lord again. Life gets in the way. And Joanna's such a fantastic prayer anyway. I know I'm going to get a receive. So Joanna, are you happy to lay hands on me? Yes. Okay, you lay hands on me and you pray for me to re-experience that joy of the Lord for the water to become clearer again. Okay, okay. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Ron, Lord. Thank you for what he's shared with us this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you know Ron. You created him. You knit him together in his mother's womb. You know him inside out, Lord God, and you love him so, so much. Lord God, we thank you that we serve and Ron serves a God who is greatly anointed with the oil of joy, Lord Jesus. You are a God who is anointed above your companions with the oil of joy. Thank you, Lord. And we just ask, Lord, for a refreshing and an outpouring and a a topping up of the oil of joy over Ron today, Lord. I pray that it would flow over his head and down him, Lord, that he would be covered in your joy, Lord Jesus. Where the water has got muddy, Lord, you know the bits of mud that are in there. We pray, Lord Jesus, that your living water would flow, would bubble up in him, would clear things out again, Lord Jesus. We just pray that you would do him so much good so that the the living water from you, Lord, would bubble out of Ron and over those he comes into contact with this week, Lord Jesus. We ask it in your name, Lord, and you bless him, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. 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 With prayers like that, who doesn't want to get prayed for, eh? You know, and as Joanna was praying as well, it reminded me as well that for us to experience the joy of the Lord, it's not simply an insular thing, oh, I'm experiencing the joy of the Lord, nice, cozy, hallelujah. No, it's also so that that joy will flow out into the, to the dead sea of the world outside there. As we meet people in our everyday life situations, as we are filled with the joy of the Lord, then that joy will bubble up, it will bubble out, and we will be those who spread what Jesus wants to give, which is life. Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. What was the joy that was set before Jesus? Yeah, it's you and me. The joy that was set before him. You are the joy of the Lord. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Seeing you and me turning to him and personally acknowledging who he is, is part of what makes Jesus joy. So now we can come to him knowing that like the father in the parable of the prodigal son, he welcomes us with open arms and with delight on his face. So don't be afraid to come and ask to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit for Christ has taken all our guilt and shame. Christ has been rejected so that we can be completely accepted by God. Come and experience afresh the joy of the Lord being your strength. And the Lord is quite capable of giving you joy anytime, any place, anywhere, in any situation. Jesus, anointed with the oil of joy above his companions, wants to share his joy with you. Amen. Amen. Joanna.